Welcome to the Way We Parent podcast. This is episode three of season two, and this is your host, Paula. I am very excited for today's episode. I know I say that every week, you guys, but I think this one is going to be really relevant to a lot of you. You guys know I'm no stranger to a controversial topic, but there is something that I've pretty much avoided talking about in my social media channels, um, and that is the whole subject of the pandemic and vaccines and all of that, because what I'm finding is that there are very, very strong voices on the very two extreme sides of the spectrum, um, and there's not a lot of room in the middle. But what I've learned over time is that so many of you sit somewhere in the spectrum in the middle with me and what i mean by that is that you believe in science and that you are good citizens and you want to protect your fellow human beings and at the same time you have questions and you are hesitant about certain things and you're just trying to make the best decision for your family what i love about candace is that she is an epidemiologist she knows the data she knows the research she's going to bring us evidence-based research and she's also incredibly non-judgmental and she understands that there are human beings behind these decisions that you are a person first and that you deserve to make an informed decision and not be bullied one way or another so i hope you guys find that in this episode um i think you're gonna find a really really helpful framework in what candace is giving us um we're not getting deep into you know, whether or not you should take the vaccine or whether or not you should do X, Y, Z. We're just providing you a framework with how you can make the best decisions that work for your unique family. So I hope you guys enjoy. And um, without further ado, here is Candice. Okay, so welcome, Candice. I'm so, so excited that you're here. So Candace is an epidemiologist and she has almost completed her um, education to become a sleep and well-being specialist like myself, uh, Mm -hmm. which is a very interesting combination. And I think, you know, I want to talk to people about how how that came about. How did you as an epidemiologist think, I want to talk to people about sleep? (laughs) Yeah, of course. So I think that a great way to start would just be talking a little bit about me and my background. And um, I'm the kind of person I'm not going to hold back (laughs) because that's who I am. I I totally believe in in the work that I do in public health. Yeah, thank you. Uh, So I'll just start by talking about my role. So I, as uh, Paula said, I am an epidemiologist and I actually work in population health. So although I do work on um, infectious diseases sometimes like COVID-19. My main uh, job in my current role the past five years at a small hospital in New Hampshire has been um, looking at like community health initiatives and trying to um, help develop them with community, uh, being really open to hearing folks with lived experience. So you have to, you know, have this delicate balance of, I have a lot of uh, subject matter knowledge and um, technical expertise in managing data information, but also you have to hear people and you have Mm. to hear people's uh, real experiences. So um, that's what I do during the day. And what drove me to even be interested in public health in general is just that I had a challenging 
childhood. I, um, right. I grew up in a, a abusive home and I had a lot of um, emotional, psychological struggles because of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I am a white woman. So uh, I recognize I have a lot of privileges that a lot of folks don't have. And I was able to be placed with family. And that I believe is a huge factor in uh, how I ended up uh, being able to overcome some of these really uh, great emotional challenges because I had people there to support uh, both my academic and kind of emotional needs as I as I grew older. So that's always been something really interesting to me. I, I ended up getting my undergrad in psychology, really expensive therapy, I like to say. Uh, and, and I went to public health because with public health, it's more than just looking at, uh, you know, infectious diseases. It's more than just looking at how do we, um, you know, uh, help people get healthy. It's trying to keep people from ever getting sick. That's what I like about it. And with population health with what I do right now, uh, working with community is we try to go upstream. We want to look at root causes of issues and a lot of root causes, when you really boil it down, they, they're linked to social determinants of health. So, um, things like where you work, live, play, uh, as well as equity and trauma. Mm -hmm. So are you starting to see the, (laughs) see the Uh, link from my childhood? So then, uh, obviously I became a mother and (laughs) as most of us know, besides the rush of hormones, the complete wrench that is thrown in your life in a good way, because yeah. obviously we wanted we wanted a child, um, but it really brings a lot of that old trauma and triggers uh, back up because you realize that even if you've done a lot of work, there are things that you were able to repress that um, when your yeah. child exhibits a certain behavior like crying, it really brings something back up in you. Um, and then couple that with a lot of the incredibly unrealistic expectations set on parents in terms of, uh, in, in the United States, returning to work sometimes after six weeks, uh, yeah. but usually maxed at 12, yeah. um, uh, very little post support or postnatal support. After you give birth, you get like one checkup, they make sure so you're all, all right downstairs and they, <laughs> and they send know. you home. And, um, and, and at six weeks, they're like, you know, and it was during a pandemic, of course, first time I had, um, you know, my only son. So, you're coming down from all these hormones and then they're doing a depression screener and stuff. And I'm like, am I depressed or am I just in a pandemic? Like, am <laughs> am I, I just a new mom just... with no support? Yeah. <laughs> right. right. Wild. It turns out wow. it was both. <laughs> right. But, <laughs> all I mean, of the above. But, but I think that, uh, you know, as you become a, a new parent, your priorities obviously shift, but a lot of them still um, apply to the, to the, you know, my interests in terms of, you know, I always have to look for research um, to help inform some work, but you always have to, uh, you know, be open to listening to folks with lived experience. And it was a very interesting intersection of me being a person with lived experience, navigating um, all of the gaps in both care, uh, mental health wise and um, education and support mm-hmm. um, for, you know, infant development, mm-hmm. uh, 
you know, and all these really wild expectations that we have for our babies, you know, typical infant behaviors that have been pathologized. Mm -hmm. And it's just, just wild. And it's something that is incredibly um, Western in, in terms of, you know, uh, origin, it's, it's not seen anywhere else. So, um, you know, I started getting pulled down that track of like, you see all this, um, this information and I, you know, they, they like, I, they've coined, it's called, what is it? Um, medical motherhood. No, scientific motherhood, scientific motherhood. Yeah, and yeah. of course, ner- nerdy me, I'm like, yes, that is like, that's that how we should it. do yeah. it. But no, <laughs> no, no, they're exactly. human beings. And, right. and there's something wrong with how we're approaching, um, how we're, you know, really honestly pushing from pediatricians to every single Google search that you do, um, pushing folks to parent in a certain way. So right. yeah, that was my really long response. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, but I totally agree. I mean, I think it's like, there's just so much misinformation about childhood that mm-hmm. is so widely accepted as truth that it's just not questioned. Like, you know, and, and, and doctors and, and nurses and whoever, they, they continue to spread this information without questioning, without ever taking a deeper right. look to see, well, where did this come from? Where, where mm-hmm. the rest of the time we're doing that, right? When it comes to COVID now, obviously, because of right. it's new, right? We're always looking at the research and this and that. But then when yeah. it comes to why should a baby eat every three hours? Well, that's just the way it is. Well, but it isn't right. like, the, w- right. let's look at the data, right? Like that actually doesn't make any sense. So anyways, that's just my little oh. tidbit there, but. Oh my gosh, <laughs> always, always interject. I love chatting with you, Paula, you know this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and I know that, you know, we've, we've become good friends over Instagram and uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I like to think I had a part in pushing you towards this direction, which makes me really happy. <laughs> He definitely did. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So I think that's I was, amazing. I was, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I found, I found you in similar accounts um, when I was at a really low point. I really was. I mean, um, I had done all of this reading about how, you know, my, my poor infant had this terrible behavior, right? Because we're focused mm-hmm. so much on behavior. And um, yeah, once I realized his behavior was, nothing but typical development um I it really it's crazy it you know it sounds silly mm-hmm. to say like shifting your mindset it makes it all just, the difference yes I mean it's like when you look at a behavior and mm-hmm. you think of it as bad then you're going to feel so bad mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. if you look at a behavior and understand okay it's tough for me but it is typical for him to be acting this way 100 i really think that and um, i think i say that yeah. to people all the time i mean i i truly believe you know we're talking about sleep like sleep training culture has really added not to say it's created because there's so many things at play here but it's really added mm-hmm. to the fact that moms in particular but parents in general experience such high levels mm-hmm. of anxiety and depression and feeling like they're not enough right because you're setting mm-hmm. them up for mm-hmm. failure we're give, telling them hey here's what your baby should be doing which is not realistic right. so no matter right. what you do it you're gonna feel like a failure 
right? Right. Um, and so it's just, it's, it's, it's the most incredibly frustrating thing in the world because it's so in front of your face. And yet most of us don't quite see, most people don't see it. Don't see that it's like an actual systemic issue. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where you look at what is the, the origin of this ideal and it's, we need parents to get back to work. It's not, uh-huh. we need to help foster, uh, you know, yeah. a really optimal, um, you know, environment for our children to develop. It's how do I get primary caregivers back to work sooner? I mean, that's yeah. really what the, the basis of it, because otherwise the behavior isn't a problem if you didn't have to wake up and go to work, <laughs> you know? Right. So, right. Right. Absolutely. It's all goes back. We always, I know we, you and I, whenever we're talking and I, I always say this, it's everything can always lead you back to capitalism, white supremacy, colonialism, like it, like everything mm-hmm. just, it, it always mm-hmm. comes back to the same thing, right? It's about how can we maintain the structures that give some people more power than others and how can we mm-hmm. continue to squeeze you for mm-hmm. more work and more earning potential, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's really what it is. So anyways, (laughs) we can talk about that all day. Um, I know. But one thing you've been doing on your, on your platform, um, other than also give people information about sleep and bed sharing and all of those things um, is really, you've opened up a really welcoming um platform for people to ask questions about covid about vaccinations all of that because obviously that is what's on people's mind and really the biggest issue i have with everything is that it's so polarized and uh, you know i know you feel mm-hmm. the same way um mm-hmm. and so for anybody who is either feeling slightly hesitant about vaccines or just is having questions about any of it, right? Anything pandemic related. There's very few places to turn to that are neutral or or compassionate. Mm-hmm. I mean, I it's impossible to be neutral, right? But like, it's either, you know, shut up and listen to science and uh, get the vaccine right. and don't ask questions or you're a terrible human being and uh, you are <laughs> deserve to die or whatever. Like it's literally, that's the message oh you God. see on social yeah, media, I know. right? Or it's you're a sheep and they're trying to control you and whatever. Like it, these are the two extremes. And I believe hey. that most people sit in the middle actually, but they're not the loudest voices. Of course. Um, and there's, there's people that sit in the middle that are like, okay, I don't think that I'm going to get a microchip in my arm, but I have questions. And if I have questions, people think I have a, think that there's going to be a microchip in my arm, because like, if you have any questions, you're put in that like category. And I think that's wrong. You do not make change that way. (laughs) Yes. And so that's kind of why one of the biggest reasons I wanted to talk to you other than because I love talking to you. Um, But yeah, I think it's, you know, and I, again, I just really appreciate that you've done that and you've helped even me make decisions. And so, um, because it, I think a lot of what we're missing is that humanitarian aspect. And I think you said it so beautifully when you were talking about your story is that as an epidemiologist, you're trained to look at data and you're trained to look at numbers and all of these things, but you also have that live experience. And I think that's what allows you to be so empathetic. 
Um, and I think that's what's missing, right? Like we're looking at numbers, mm-hmm. but people are not numbers. Mm-hmm. Like people are people and they have feelings and thoughts and opinions and, and we need to look at the human aspect of things, right? Just like we were talking about, you know, when you and I talk about bed sharing, for example, and we say, well, the data says this, it's like, yeah, that's great what the data says, but also we need to look at the fact that, okay, people are going to end up bed sharing anyway. So how can we mitigate the risk and how can we put out this messaging in a way that people feel empowered and they feel informed and they don't feel just nagged at right which I feel like is so so often what's coming out of like public health is like just nag 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 do this do this do this and that's it right really yeah and I've told you Paula I mean me and my own personal experience as you know I um, am an epidemiologist I work at a hospital I had great relationship with my pediatrician and then when she was asking me where my child slept she then (laughs) she then asked me where I got my degree from. So Shut I went from up. having a, no, she did I went not from having a good <gasps> relationship. With I don't think you told me that to her, to her questioning my your education and your knowledge and education. And I, you know, I, I gave her the data and explained and it was just really interesting because I did, you know, it, it's just really funny. I mean, it just, yeah, it, it, it's a did really polarizing like environment about um, any of your data that you shared. <laughs> Um, she was about to retire, so she didn't seem to care so much, but she, she heard me. Mm, she did good. listen. She didn't, she didn't lecture me anymore. I was okay, like, good. I hear you, but I've done my research, but I, <laughs> but I would also like AAP recommendations because they, they acknowledge it right mm-hmm. there. Like, mm-hmm. but just mm-hmm. take a gander and she's like, I'm retiring. I don't give, <laughs> give a <laughs> That's amazing. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Yeah. So. Yeah, but that's exactly it, right? It's that, um, like the blind following. And I think just from any aspect, I don't think that's healthy as human beings. Mm -hmm. We have to question, we have to, and and I think there has to be that middle ground. And so, um, and just to be very, very clear, I am not a COVID denier. I believe that the virus is real. I believe that it's not a conspiracy. and that, you know, it, it's, it's the real thing. And I think, you know, sometimes people will say, well, if it, if it's a real virus, then why have they messed it up this way? Or why have they not like basically judging how, how it's been handled. And it's because yeah. like humans are super flawed, like <laughs> politicians <Right. laughs> are super flawed, oh. like politicians suck. Oh. Right. And that's another big concern yeah. that we've had is like, you have the scientists coming up with the data mm-hmm. and the, you know, doing the research and then that has to go through politics <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I'm sure that's incredibly frustrating for you as an epidemiologist yeah. absolutely absolutely and I mean it, and it's one of those things where I understand where people um, can get sucked into uh, conspiracy theories because as I mean as you just you know touched upon there there is corruption unfortunately mm-hmm. and there are really unintelligent people who have been somehow <laughs> money uh, elected into <laughs> office um so it's i i understand the fear and i understand like if you look at the previous administration in the united states um how data and scientists can be um Super pushed odd. yeah well they can be pushed to mm-hmm. um you know say certain things um 
or just like, for example, the EPA website, uh, Environmental Protection Agency, like it was basically like the past administration, like they uh, archived the old website because some people deny climate change's existence. So it's just like, obviously, if you look at the scientific consensus, that is just bullshit. Obviously, it's like, if everybody understands that that's happening and you can see it like in just basic weather patterns in everyone's backyard now but it's not convenient to the people who are making money off of it right so correct let's pretend it's just it's fake right so it's just i get why people get hesitant because sometimes yes we do see that type of corruption absolutely I, i that's why i try to you know come at things with compassion because like i see that too like there are things i see that and then there's like a different level of it's like not all scientists are corrupt worldwide yeah. because like not everyone is employed by the government, you know? So it's like, yeah, if look sure. at what everyone's saying for the, like the, not everybody, but well, obviously everybody, you want to listen to everybody, but what is the consensus? So what are the majority of people who yeah. are experts um, on a topic? What are they saying? Because um, as much as I love, and I think everybody at the end of the day, you have to make health decisions and you know well-being decisions for you and your family period Mm -hmm. um and i think that we need to still understand that expertise does matter Mm -hmm. um because not everyone can have the same amount of knowledge on a topic um you could weigh into that expertise and then decide whether or not you want to opt into something but um right. like denying it what altogether is um I think equally as yeah. bad I you totally I mean? agree so. yeah I agree and I think that's the thing right it's uh, it's you know again that that messaging I see that just really irks me is when people say well I trust science and it's like it's not a religion uh, like you, you know it's not <laughs> like that's not how it works and science is evolving and changing and you know I mean science you is could, a process science is a process right and so I don't oh. you know again I, I don't I agree with the blind belief and just do exactly what your doctor says because as we know doctors aren't always correct um but at the same time saying I went and did my research because you were reading Facebook memes is not doing research yeah and just to like, right. you know, and, I, and I've seen it, like I've actually, I've watched videos from people who are like, see, we're going to do our research and they'll go and they'll grab like a vaccine insert and they'll like research some word and they'll find, like they'll, like, they'll t- walk you through their process. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, but you completely just misinterpret it. Like all of these things, like you're just jumping to conclusions yeah. that don't actually make any sense. And again, mm-hmm. this is where you, well, you're not trained into uh, to understand what this means. So I think that I totally agree. There's that middle ground and that's why it's super hard to make these decisions. Absolutely. And, and, and there's a, there's a, like, um, you know, something to be said with, I'm not just saying that, you know, you should, you know, I, I don't think that you should do like you were explaining that type of, you know, self-research, but (laughs) if you do that stuff and you come across something and it's not sitting right with you, like that's an opportunity that we should be able to extend our questions to experts and they should be able to digest it into layman's terms to be able to explain it to you. Because I think that's a huge part of uh, the issue with people making informed decisions, especially health related is 
not everybody knows mechanism of action for um, yeah. either medications or vaccinations or um, right. just basic immune basic immunology, um, which again, um, you know, I could go on and say that that's probably something that we should be learning in school, but we totally. don't. Totally. Many of us but don't. Very um, basic. But, but you I can't, remember we learning can't, about. But we can't ch- right, but we can't change that and we can't fault people for that. And we can't treat people like they're stupid because they were I know. not given access to that. Because yeah, I mean if and I know in the United States it's um, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, access to, you know, better either educators or curriculum um is based on income of the area that you live in like everything else um, yeah yeah so it's just like it's a self-fulfilling prophecy so it's like obviously some regions might um not have as much education uh so of course they're going to have more questions like and i don't expect them to just blindly follow and it's just wrong that we would it's just like no take a freaking minute to explain to these yes. people in some in a way that helps them understand because i think everybody should understand totally how agree. things work you know especially totally if you're agree. putting it in your body or doing absolutely yeah exactly (laughs) exactly and I think that and yeah and not just giving like blanket answers because I I, like you know if you go look up like FAQs like you'll see on like the government websites and stuff like that it'll be like Like, does COVID-19 does the COVID-19 vaccine vaccine cause xyz and it'll just be like no vaccines are proven to be safe it's like okay, that's like, not no, an answer. Like, <laughs> why? Like, what's, what's the data? Like, you have that information, right. obviously. So like, share it. Yeah. and Don't just tell people, don't be stupid and just do it. Right. So right. I, I totally, right, yeah. Right. And I just love that you do that. I think that I wish there were more people like you <laughs> sharing that information mm-hmm. and, and being <laughs> understanding. Um, and so, yeah. And so you made a little, guide that is going to be available uh, for anybody to download and that will be available in the show notes um but it's basically just like a little guide to making informed decisions and so yeah um yeah so i mean we can kind of walk people through it but let's talk about some things that can can come up when you're deciding you know whether to vaccinate or anything else really any kind of health decision sure so, um, so let's just do a little example. Sure. So maybe we'll just use the example since we were talking about vaccines, like whether or not I want to get, we'll just, we'll use a COVID vaccine. Yeah. Um, so if we use my little guide that I put together, and this is just something that was born out of my brain and born out of just how I interact in my space, um, Love on it. Instagram, <laughs> as well as, um, just some of my professional background I've done a little bit of facilitation work in in the past so um, that's kind of where this is coming from so something that you want to consider if you're if you're faced with some sort of uh, decision that you need to make is first of all where are your sources of information and I know that this is said all the time but I want to put a spin on it because oftentimes when folks say oh well you shouldn't be getting your your news from social media or or you can't rely on the news blah 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 or your family and friends it's like I don't want to diminish those sources because they might be good starting points okay because let's be honest if a lot of us are on all of these um you know social media or where we talk with friends we're social we're social beings we like to uh, consume information we consume a lot of information all the time so I think it's 
completely valid to get some starting point information there, but look further into starting it. Starting point. Yeah, um, I love that. Yeah, it's a starting point. And um, there's a lot of different um, news sources. And if you go to, um, oh my goodness, I'll come up with the with the name. I think it's like called allsides.com. Okay. Um, I'll have to double check. I have to this. <laughs> <It's> okay. <laughs> we'll put it in the um, show notes. But, it's all there. Put it in the in the notes. Um, but there are uh, websites you can look to see biases for for news. Oh, okay. So that's a great place to look. So you can, if you take a a topic area, and you can look at it across, um, you know, left leaning, right leaning, or um, moderate news sources. So you can try to get a better idea about um, the type of information. But um, obviously, there's a health information. Uh, sometimes, if you look in news articles, they'll link the the research mm-hmm. um unfortunately peer-reviewed articles that are linked are some when I say sometimes often very challenging for the layperson to read very um, hard yeah. I actually um so I struggle it, with those it, it I, I will admit that right and also they're often behind a paywall yeah it's, it's uh, yeah they're often behind a paywall um and it's really uh, you know it's something that kind of stinks um but there are other <laughs> sources you can look at um, like national databases or federal databases. I know some people feel certain ways about federal databases, but if I know in the United States, there's a lot of different um, like private companies or nonprofit organizations that track data. So if you mm-hmm. look at, um, you know, you can look at all sorts of different um, either schools of public health for data um, on COVID-19 and vaccination. So you can get a bigger picture. So don't just um, look in one spot is my whole point. And if you've right. had trouble looking looking at peer-reviewed articles like if you know someone or feel like there's um you know and you know someone who might be able to help you read through it um that could be a great option or usually you can email the researchers and i would re- reach out and ask for layman's description just oh, so you amazing. know how, you can do that yeah you a lot of yeah you can email anybody oh my god and people usually love it's not like they're famous they have plenty of time <laughs> time. So I've emailed researchers before I asked for their like tools, um, survey tools oh my God. and people answer. They're usually so excited that someone read their paper. This is gold. <laughs> I love this so much. This so. is like, I know there's going to be a lot of nerdy people like me listening <laughs> to this going, um, I'm going to start emailing all these researchers. Yeah. That's great. But I, I like, had, um... I also wish, sorry, that that was like included, right? Like wherever, like if you wrote an article like that, you had it in like layman's terms I mean they kind of do in the abstracts but they're it's very but it's not really it's not really it's actually funny you say that um we we're talking about this because one of the accounts that I follow another amazing amazing source especially for COVID related information and the vaccine is um science whiz Liz I'll drop the handle for Paula but she actually grew up an anti-vaxxer and she's now a PhD in I believe immunology. So she's a has a really interesting perspective. But she actually wrote a whole article about how um, she was trying to like petition to get um, all scientific journals to provide a layman's term um, little like one pager because she yeah she is really she's petitioning to get people um, to start thinking about uh, doing that in in these scholarly articles just because mm. it will it you'll know what they meant by their research because. As you know, in some of the sleep research, things get twisted, uh, just like the self-soothing. Exactly. Um, There are sometimes limitations in in research if they're not 
considering um, what we like to call confounders. So it's, you know, do they take in, into account um, race or ethnicity in, in some of the data? Are they looking at um, different cultural considerations um, right. with like uh, kind of getting off the whole vaccine example, but looking at, um, you know, infant sleep, you know, how- It's very much culturally, right. Oh yeah, how infants feed. I mean, like breastfeeding and all of the behavioral and physiological implications of that um, that we know. Yeah. So those are never taken into account, almost never, right. except for just saying like, do they breastfeed or not? Um, mm -hmm. So that was me being on a tangent. But but yeah. What so another thing that you want to consider when you're you know making some sort of decision is uh, who's behind the information that you're you're getting. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, hmm. If you're looking at a scholarly article, they are supposed to declare conflict of interest. And I've never seen um, someone not, they uh, like if they have a conflict, they have funding from some source, you should be able to see it right there. Um, there are some people that uh, put out uh, kind of quack science, unfortunately, and you'll see in the conflict of interest, you can look at the institute that they work for that it's like a made up institute like you go to their website like they own it looks it. like someone made, they made it on they yeah they made it on wix.com like their, their web, that's a, website so really eh? things that's like that if you just yeah so you can just kind of like look um a little deeper and that's how some of these things kind of unravel and then um obviously there's sometimes funding streams um yeah. you know that that you have to just take into account so that's something that you, I love um, that you, mentioned you take that. into account yeah, I sorry. Yeah, yeah. And I love that you mentioned about social media, because I really think that's really powerful. And I mean, I know I kind of made fun of like, doing your research on Facebook, but like, I do think like we get, you know, it, I don't want to discount it either, because we do, right. you know, follow people like I follow you, I follow people that I, I trust, yeah. and I care about. And also, if I learn something from you, if it's something that is going to affect my life, like if somebody, like if an influencer mm -hmm. is telling me that it's safe to bed share, I am going to look into those sources that they're giving me right. and I'm going to like dig a little deeper. Like, I'm not just going to be like, well, so-and-so said it's fine. Right. Like that's not, right. that's not enough. And I right. love that you also brought up the conflict of interest because that is something we're seeing a lot. There's a lot of anti-vax kind of big people uh what are the, what am I talking about uh big like influencers I guess mm -hmm, to, mm -hmm. so to speak and a lot of them are selling you know these, yeah to take these supplements right, these supplements, right? so that's that's detox, exactly what I'm getting to whatever yeah so that was my next question is <laughs> no you're fine my next thing was what did they have to gain from right. from this whatever they're sharing because on one hand like the anti-vax side sometimes not always some people have just really strong opinions, yeah. but some people are trying to sell something. And the thing that is interesting is it's not approved in any way, shape or form. It's just something right. they believe is going to work. And don't get me wrong, like some um, like vitamins and supplements, yeah. I'm totally on board with, that's fine. Uh, yeah. and, I'm also, not, and a lot of times um, they're harmless, but not always. Right. And then not always not, a, we don't know dosing. We don't know anything like that it, because obviously like if you think of multivitamins, those I don't think any multivitamins vitamins are FDA approved, but your um, provider will say, are you taking right. multivitamin? Because it's like, there are some things it's like, we kind we know that they're, right. they're pretty harm, like Harmless. better, be uh, more benefit than, um, than there is not, you know, the risk benefit there is, is, is okay. So anyway, uh, that's totally my tangent there, oh, but love it. yeah. So where are the, where are the sources? Who's behind the information? And then moving to the next level is like, 
okay, so maybe you don't trust um, the data coming out of the United States or out of Canada because you don't trust your government. You think that things are, um, you know, are hard to trust. Look, look to the scientific consensus. Um, what are other countries doing? What are their um, suggestions? Because, you know, you have to you have to look at the big picture. Um, and when you're thinking about these things, are there reputable organizations that you can look at um, for what their stance is and what they're saying? Mm-hmm. Um, that's usually a really good indicator of um, validity of some some claims, especially um, COVID and vaccine related. Yeah. I think for me, this was a big one that helped with my decision too, because, you know, like we were talking about, we know science can be wrong or the general consensus can be wrong. But for example, one of that we've been talking about a lot is bed sharing, right? And and so we we know that in the States, it's, it's looked at as like this incredibly horrible, not okay thing to do. But when you actually look at the rest of the world, that's not how everybody feels about it. And that's not how all public health units treat it. And so we look at that, we can zoom out a little bit and realize like, okay, well, could it be that there's something wrong with this data? Could it be that we're not taking into account cultural factors, et cetera? But when it comes to COVID, the worldwide consensus is pretty clear. Like it's, you know, and it's people from all walks of life and all different governments and they're not all right wing, left wing. And so I think that's really helpful uh, way to make that decision. I mean, I guess it's possible that all the governments are in on this giant conspiracy, (laughs) but. But, but I mean, I'd I'd take my, uh, take my chances there. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Because so. at the end of the day, life isn't without risk. We, we have to also kind of keep that in the back of your mind. I, I love that. Want yep. to help as many people as possible. Like hands down. Like I wish I could save everybody, but just to be blunt, that is impossible. Is impossible. Yeah. So yeah. how do we reduce risk? And that's again, like especially with the bed sharing stuff. Um, you know, there's there's cultural considerations. There's you know, just basic biology mm-hmm. and how we've evolved as human beings in sleeping. Um, and, you know, then you just have to look at, you know, is it a risk that I'm okay with taking because yeah. it's going to make my life easier. So and anyway, that actually, carries, the, but that's, a, but that's a good tangent because I think everything carries risk. And I think we need to acknowledge that. And I think, you know, this even goes for vaccines, like, like there can be adverse reactions. It's, it's not, oh, yep. Yep. it's rare, like very rare, mm-hmm. but it can happen. And so I feel like, mm-hmm. again, that's one of those things that people, again, when somebody's like, well, what if like I get a vaccine injury, then others will laugh at them. Like, oh, that's, there's no such thing. Like right, you're such a, right, you know, right. you're so stupid, whatever, but it can happen, right? Like we, yeah. it, it is a risk, but is it yeah. a bigger risk than actually getting the disease, which is the whole point of it, right? So everything carries a risk, every decision, whether to get it, to not get it, whether to like, whatever you do is going to carry Get in a car and drive or take public transportation. Uh, You know what I mean? Like there's, if you have that option, it just, I I mean, everything, it's a calculated, you know, risk, you have to decide like the risk benefit. And um, yeah, that was, that was a really good example. Uh, just because I totally feel for people that that has happened to that the vaccine injuries, it's, that's devastating. That's so sad. Um, Absolutely. And, you know, I would, 
um, you know, it just, when you look at the amount of people that have the potential to be injured by disease, um, Mm -hmm. you know, that is where, you know, the, the risk benefit equation kind of leans in the favor of we should prevent illness for as many as possible. Um, so, so yeah. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to pop back to that decision guide. So one of the other things that I think is really super important whenever you're making decisions is, um, what are the special considerations in your life? Are there religious or cultural things you have to think about? Um, you know, how much time do you have to decide if mm-hmm. it's um, in this example for vaccines? Thankfully, it's something that we we have time. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, some people might argue that we should, you know, obviously get them as soon as possible, but it's not if you're, you know, taking uh, risks like masking, uh, uh, taking precautions, rather, you're masking and you're, you know, not putting yourself at great risk, uh, you have time to decide if you want to get it or not. Um, yeah. Rather than like, if you're in an emergency room and you're deciding whether or not you want to like accept certain medications or whatever for right. some sort of emergency treatment, you obviously don't have a lot of time. Yeah. So um, that's something that you need to consider when you're making decisions. Um, it, you know, some things you might have to lean a little bit more onto expert opinion and advice than um, in the moment other right. than trying to go and get more information either yourself or from other experts etc right. um that leads me again to the very the next thing is what do you need to understand to be able to um you know make this decision mm. do do you understand the process like is that what's um you know making you a little bit hesitant do you understand the mechanism of action or the science behind um how this is supposed to help you or um, you know, trying to figure out, so what is it that is that like, um, you know, root of your true concern? Because it's not usually, you know, where are the information's from or the government, there's usually something else. Um, right. So that can really help you uh, kind of fine tune to totally to feel better about um, whatever you end up deciding. Right. Um. One of my biggest things, uh, especially given the fact that, you know, I'm in public health, obviously, I have this kind of uh, global view of protecting kind of like the group, the herd, everybody. Absolutely. Um, so <clears throat> my next question is, who, who does your decision affect? Mm-hmm. And there are some things, for example, I just could use bed sharing again. Yeah. If you choose to bed share with your child, that affects your family and your family alone. Right. Someone, uh, sure, of course, like there could be ripple effects down the road, right? But, you know, me bed sharing is putting your child at danger. Um, exactly. Or at risk, uh, you know, not to be fear mongery. Um, mm-hmm. If you look at vaccines, there is risk with, um, yeah. you know, spreading disease to other others. So that's something to just consider, you know, is it something that's just affecting your family? Is it something that yeah. could potentially affect other people's families? This is so, definitely something that's come up a lot with the vaccines. And I think also one of those messages that's been kind of weaponized a little bit. It is. It definitely has. And it's being used to call people, you know, baby killers. It, like I've heard awful things. Uh, oh yeah. And it's, you know, I, again, I don't think that helps anybody make a decision, right? Like if you're calling them 
a horrible human being, <laughs> they're not more entitled to, they're not more likely to um, listen to what you have to say. Absolutely. And I think that it's just having the understanding that your choice could affect someone else. And what are your options then? So, yeah. okay. Like, so I understand that this isn't just about me, but I still don't want it. What are things that I can do to, if you care about community, be a better steward to the community? Can, you know, are you going to commit to still wearing a mask uh, until things, you know, um, yeah. peter out? And there's actual like herd immunity because again, it's, um, you know, it's looking like COVID-19 is going to end up being endemic. So that's something that kind of just doesn't go away, but it should be staying at bay. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so low levels of infection because there's enough people that have either been infected or immunized right. to, um, you know, keep it, keep it from being, you know, running rampant and, yeah. uh, you know, distressing the hospital systems. But, um, yeah, so just something to consider. And I, and I don't, I don't like how it's been weaponized, but I think it's still important to just I agree I think it needs to, to be share. thought about yeah it needs to be thought about and not in such a like harsh way I think because right so I'll give you my example so I've I am incredibly privileged that I've had the time mm -hmm. to take to make my decision mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. my husband and I both work from home and we have our toddler at home right and so mm -hmm. for me it never felt like this immediate thing I needed to worry about because I'm not going out all the time meeting people. Like I'm at the store, I'm wearing a mask, like that's it, right? I'm mm -hmm. social distance, whatever. If I'm meeting people, it's like outside, like it's always with precautions. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I live in Ontario where the rules are still pretty tight anyways. Mm -hmm. um, so I have to mask anywhere I go anyways, right? So all of these things. So for me, it was never this big deal, like, or I shouldn't say it wasn't a big deal, but it was like, well, I'm not really sure I want it. And to be honest, it doesn't really matter that much anyway, I guess. Yeah. Whereas, you know, and I say that I don't want to say it dismissively, like I, I right, right. you know, I hope people aren't taking this the wrong way. Um, but now my son is going to be starting daycare soon. Mm -hmm. And so then I started to think about, okay, now he's going to be exposed to other children. Mm -hmm. He is you know, I could still, I mean, I could still pick up COVID, right. Even before that, I knew mm -hmm. that I was taking that risk. Like, even if I'm going to the store, I could pick it up. Right. Um, mm -hmm. so I could pick it up and give it to him and that affects just us, but then now he's going to bring it to daycare and possibly infect a child who is immunocompromised or possibly infect a parent who's immunocompromised. Right. Um, and so that's where I started to really think about, okay, I don't want that blood on my hands. Like I don't want to be the cause because I felt that I made a decision for my family that now suddenly this person is at risk. Like that's not fair. Um, and so that that's kind of where my thought process went when it came to this decision and why, again, I'm incredibly, incredibly privileged that I was able right, to right. take the time to do that and, and not yeah. worry about it beforehand. But I hope that kind of makes sense and doesn't make me come Absolutely. off as a giant asshole. <laughs> no, it, I mean, it's just something that, I mean, some people might make different decisions again, maybe right. um, it could be another privileged situation where maybe they don't have to put their kid in daycare. So they don't see it as a huge risk for them. And mm -hmm. I am not here to tell you what to do. That is not my job. I'm here to help you make decisions if that's what you want from me. And um, 
you know, right. that's, that's how I am navigating, navigating the situation. Um, the thing that makes me also, um, with COVID and the vaccine specifically, it, it, it is something that could affect our families too. So it's like, you know, in this situation, obviously any illness can affect just your family, but, um, with some of the data that are coming out with the long COVID, um, mm. that we're seeing in children, as well as adults, there's IQ, um, that is being affected. So they're seeing pretty, um, pretty significant decrease, decreases in IQ. Yeah. Um, and that's just likely due to, you know, uh, just obviously the disease <laughs> that yeah. it causes and the, the long-term effects of some of these things, like, you know, how they've, they've talked about the brain fog. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing that stinks is we don't really know the extent in children because especially young kids, they can't like tell you I have brain right. fog, like, or right. like, cause they don't really know how to vocalize that. So we don't really know the extent of some of these, these issues. So, um, it's, it, and some kids are healthy. It's not even that like, it's necessarily immunocompromised kids. So it's like, there is like that aspect of it. Maybe it, it could be a gamble for your own family right. too, for this, totally. this particular example. Totally. totally. So, yeah. And um, I, I, yeah, so. I wanted to ask as well, because I know, or let, I guess you tell us like, is there a significant difference now with this, the Delta variant in terms of children and families? Do you think? So I definitely have to look into it a little bit more to give you a more definitive um, response and maybe, uh, it's something we can link into your podcast, uh, but Delta is showing that it is more transmissible and, um, some of the data, it's a little challenging to just say like, yes, kids are getting it more, but it, but I mean, besides the fact that just more kids are unvaccinated, you know what I mean? So of course more kids are getting it, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, that's important. That's, right but, now, but again, that's is no. really important to interpret, right? And I think right. this is one of the things that you you can help us with is like, sure, we can see now that the higher percentage of people infected are kids, but we also know that so many adults are vaccinated, therefore, right, right, that right. But sense. we are like, we are seeing a higher proportion of children, um, you know, pediatric kids getting hospitalized, which really sucks. Um, mm-hmm. It's just sad, just regardless um, of yeah. whether it's uh, like real uh, an actual increase more than just, uh, yeah. you know, the spread is amongst unvaccinated individuals. So, um, so yeah. Um, so I just, I want to get through just the very last bits here. So yeah. <laughs> obviously at the end of the, at the end of the day, if you're trying to make an informed decision, you want to feel content with your decision. So yeah. if you are feeling content or confident, even like that should be, a you know, your gut tells you that's obviously, you know, you know, you're going to make whatever decision it is that you're going to make. Mm-hmm. Um, you should, you know, what, what either if you want us, for example, to get a vaccine or not, if you feel content and confident, then, then that's what you decide. Um, but if you're still feeling uneasy or uncertain, then I think, again, if it's not an emergency, try to go back through some of these things and try to get with a trusted healthcare provider, try, try to, um, you know, speak with people that you really trust, mm-hmm. um, that you feel can be neutral enough and mm-hmm. compassionate enough. Cause there's that, that delicate balance as we've been talking about. Absolutely. <laughs> um, 
So Absolutely. that's how I go about making decisions. Um, I know I'm, I, I'm privileged. Um, I have a different uh, life experience than a lot of people. So yeah. uh, this is probably way oversimplified. Um, but no, but just, I think this my is biggest great. message is, yeah, I just want people to know that there are folks who are in healthcare as well as public health that do care. Like we do at the end of the day, care about people. And I think that going in for a conversation and just maybe, unfortunately, it's almost like a relationship, right? Like sometimes you you wish that your partner could read your mind, yeah. you know, that they would just like act a certain way, but you kind of have to just ask them to be like, yeah. oh, I'm really upset now. So I don't want you to give me a, um, you know, an answer or whatever it, you know, when you're, this is with your partner. So if we go into like, say, have a meeting with a healthcare provider, just say like, Hey, like I'm looking for some compassion right now with this advice. And mm-hmm. that might change their tune. Cause mm-hmm. I know at least with community work that I've done, um, working with like big stakeholders or whatever, I've had people that act like super know-it-alls, like really standoffish. And I've done, I've just you know, like been really blunt upfront. Like we're going to be like leading with compassion right now. <laughs> and we're going to like share a real moment. And then we're going to get to work. And I'm telling you every single time, like I actually have data to show because I do have, of course you do rapid rapid (laughs) feedback forms and, and like we get through and like actually are able to like have great conversations and make decisions because everyone feels like they're heard and people are taking off that, um, their hats of kind of like, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Kind of uh, like superiority or like kind of yeah. pompous, you know, some people come across that or know yeah. it all show. Yeah. Off, show off. And that's often um, defensive. Like it's, it's a defense mechanism, it, right? It's not that they, in, in healthcare, they do it a lot. They're like, I know, yeah. I know what's best for you. Like, I'm not, I got it's you. like, no, I got like, this. you know what I mean? It's I like, think, no, no, like, you know, and, humans here. Yeah. And I think I want to mention that too, in, in terms of this decision-making, I think oh, so much of it has to do with ego. Um, and I think that's a big piece that obviously as humans, it's very hard for us to let go of, but we have to be willing to be wrong. I think yes, that's so crucial. And I mean, so like, for example, you just mentioned Liz, um, who used to be an anti-vaxxer and changed her mind. I actually really respect people like that. Like the moment you said that, I'm like, that's great because they were willing to change their mind. And that takes a lot of strength, um, and humility to be able to say, Hey, all of this stuff that I believed in was wrong like that, you know, that, and that tells me that the the evidence is compelling enough. And so, yeah, yeah, I just think for all of us, I think it's so important to have that, to be able to say, you know, I, I, maybe that was wrong. What I believed before, or or I've changed my mind. Mm -hmm. Um, Absolutely. You know, and that goes for everything. And I mean, we've seen it with sleep. We've seen it with Mm -hmm. with all the things um so yeah um I know I'm taking up lots of your time but this has been such a good conversation oh look at that little guy's awake oh buddy timing hello baba if is there any messages you want to send to people um overall um obviously I know you're we want people to get to be safe we want people to get vaccinated uh to protect themselves and others but do your, re- mm-hmm. but you know, do it. I, I, I don't want you to do it from being bullied into it. I want you to do it because right. you've, you've looked into it and you know that it's safe. 
Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing is it's, I, I want people to feel confident that they can make informed decisions for their themselves and their families. And um, to just, to just know that there is, there is a, a balance between evidence and intuition. And I think that um, you can find that it's not either, or I think that it can be both. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that's, that's my biggest thing. And you know, thank you so much for having yeah. me today, Paula. <laughs> yeah, thank you for being here. I think we should come back and have a whole nother discussion. Uh, so <laughs> if everybody loves having Candace here as much as I do, let me know. Uh, let me know what you thought about this in the comments, everybody. And I will be sure to add Candace's information in the show notes um, so you can find her and ask her questions. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for being here. It's been a pleasure as always. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. If you enjoyed it, please go on iTunes and give us a review so that others can find us and share it on your socials. Join me on Instagram at Paula Morales McDowell and keep the conversation going. What did you love? What questions do you have? Who do you want to hear from next? Catch you next week.